The Missing Witches Project is entirely listener supported and listener, we want you to join us. Do you want to be part of a community that helps make public research into marginalized ideas? Do you want to join in interviews with all these magical people and meet other anti-racist, trans-inclusive, neuroqueer, feminist practitioners of different kinds from all over the world in our monthly circles? Or are you maybe just down to send a little money magic towards these stories and ideas and the causes we support? Anyway, either way, check out missingwitches.com to learn more about us. And please know, we've been missing you. And one last thing before we start. The stories we tell require a general content warning. It's just a fact of this terrain of interrogating what is missing. We promise to hold those moments with care. You aren't being a proper woman, therefore you must be a witch. You must be a witch. Hello. Hi. And welcome to another episode of the Wisdom Witches Podcast. I'm so thrilled and excited to be sitting down with Sarah Lyons today, a writer, an activist, and in your bio, you also say an occultist and a witch. Mm-hmm. So I want I have questions. Okay. <laughs> first, can you can you introduce yourself to our listeners who might not be aware of your work? Sure. So my name is Sarah Lyons. Um, I use she her pronouns. I am a Leo Sun, Scorpio Moon, Sagittarius rising. Um, and yeah, I, I am a writer, um, a witch, an occultist. I live in New York City. And um, I'm also a filmmaker um, and working at this like kind of next, we can get to that later maybe, but that's like another thing that I'm working on right now. Um, Yeah, I've been featured in numerous publications, Vice, Teen Vogue, Bust. Uh, The most recent piece that I wrote was for Bust on the history of witchcraft and abortion and abortion providers. And uh, my first book, Revolutionary Witchcraft, A Guide to Magical Activism, came out in 2019 from Running Press Books. And my second book from Running Press Books, How to Study Magic, comes out later this year. So I'm really excited about it and I'm really excited to dive in. Yeah, I'm so excited about both of your books. Obviously, you know, Revolutionary Witchcraft is is right up our alley. Um, We will get into that, of course, too. (laughs) Yeah. But I also love how to study magic because it's, it is a primer and I loved it. I would definitely recommend it to anyone who's looking to I know our listeners are probably already deep, but there's something in there for you too. Or if you want to give it to somebody who's like thinking about testing the water, this is such a great book. And again, we'll get into all the reasons why. (laughs) Yeah, I I definitely wrote it to be like the answer to the question for seasoned practitioners of like, when people ask you, how do you get into this stuff? You can just be like, here's how you can get into this stuff. Um, <laughs> but also for the people who want to get into this stuff, right? So it's it's kind of too twofold in that way. Uh, well, you gave me the next question. How did you get into this stuff? Yeah, I think so. That's the thing is like that question is like when people ask like, oh, how do I practice magic? Like, how do I study magic? It's always like, well, go like do some drugs and live in the forest and then read a hundred books and then like fuck around like it's this really like it's always very personal right like everyone gets into this stuff their own way and there's not really one size fits all about how to study magic and then how to practice it right and so I kind of wanted to write like when I wrote this I was trying to look at it from sort of a different perspective than I think a lot of one-on-one books do but to answer the question about how I got into it I like don't remember a time where I wasn't into magic like when I was very very young I was really obsessed with mythology and history and folklore and stuff and it was always like I would be reading about like you know ancient peoples and ancient mythology and it's be like wow it's so sad that people don't do this anymore or like believe in this stuff anymore like that really sucks it'd be so nice if people did and then I remember hearing this like NPR story on Wicca one day in the pair in the car with my parents and it was like what like people do do this stuff still and I remember literally like running upstairs and like booting up the the tower on the desktop that we had the big computer and like googling everything that I could or like searching for everything that I could at the time and um I think for like for a little while I was like considering myself a Wicca, a Wiccan, but then that sort of fell away. And then I got into 
I considered myself like just a pagan for a while, like not really a witch. I was like more of like, I called myself like a comedic reconstructionist because I was really into like ancient Egypt and stuff. And then I like kind of got back into witchcraft when I was like senior year of college or sorry, senior year of high school and then going into college and, and kind of picking back up these books and restudying stuff like that. And it's just kind of kept growing and evolving. And for me, it's, it's, I, what I like about magic is that I don't really feel like my practice has ever settled into just one thing. Like it has kept evolving, which I think is good. Like I don't want to be too stagnant. And so it's, I, I've, keep finding reasons to re-fall in love with magic and it's kind of kept growing over the years keep finding reasons to re-fall in love with magic that could be like the subheading for this podcast yeah. for sure <laughs> now i i have a personal answer for this so i want your most personal answer what is the difference between an occultist and a witch okay so to me the thing when i say occultist i am typically referencing like the like quote-unquote western occult tradition so things revolving around like grimoire magic more forms of like ceremonial magic and like like ritualized kind of magic like that that witchcraft does pull on like the kind of like uh typical capital w witchcraft really pulls on but i think that when we talk about witchcraft today it's so broad that it kind of almost warrants a distinction, I think, between an occultist and a witch, because you can be both and some take from each other, but there, like, there is a Venn diagram, but there's a lot of people who find themselves purely on like one side or the other of that Venn diagram. So it's like, I guess to me, occultism, um, I don't really view witchcraft as like my religion right? Like I view it as a practice. And I, and I think how I, part of how I individualize my witchcraft practice is based on personal circumstances and the landscape that I find myself in. Whereas, and I think occultism, it, it is influenced by landscape and by time and this kind of stuff, but it is a little bit more rigid and it's, a, and it's got like kind of more formal rituals and ideas and stuff like that around like when you're supposed to summon these things or how you're supposed to do it and that kind of stuff and uh yeah so that's kind of a, a little bit of my distinction yeah it makes perfect sense to me so listeners if you're curious about that distinction then I think we nailed it <laughs> before we go too much further I did choose a reading which you have generously agreed to read the just go for it section I thought it's just a, an amazing opening of a gate. It's such a wonderful opening of a portal. It's page 165. Thank you. Okay. Uh, and yeah, no, I just opened the portal. I'm going to mute my <laughs> microphone. Open the portal. Okay. My goal with this book was to demystify the mystical and make magic acceptable, <laughs> accessible for you to get started. But I understand that you still might feel overwhelmed, maybe even more so than before. People don't want to be rude, fake, or reckless by doing the quote-unquote wrong thing most of the time. And I think this is a good impulse. It's good to have respect for magic and those who have been practicing it for a long time. It's smart to want safety and security while doing some pretty spooky things. All that said, though, at a certain point, you have to put your books down and just do magic. When I first started teaching myself how to cook, I was very precise with measurements, ingredients, and time. I followed instruction videos to the letter and if I didn't have an ingredient on hand, I didn't make the thing. At the time, this was probably the right thing to do. I had no idea how to cook, and I was and I was still getting the hang of it. Now, I usually look at a picture of a meal and can figure out how to make it. If I'm really stuck, maybe I look at the ingredients lists. The lesson here is that you get is that you get better at stuff you actually do. Imagine if I had just read cookbooks and never tried a recipe out. I'd still be heating up frozen dinners every night and calling it cooking. There will also inevitably be the voice in your head that says you aren't quote unquote good enough or doing it quote right. You know the best way to get rid of that voice? I hate to say it, but the answer is actually doing magic. I guarantee the more you do, the more successes you will have. And when you have a fairly frequent, when you have fairly frequent proof that magic is real, it can go a long way towards quieting that voice. You aren't going to get it all right the first time, but you will have many and you will have many bad meals along the way. But what matters is trying stuff and seeing what happens. 
what matters I, is trying stuff and seeing what happens. Please carry on. Go. <laughs> I know it's just, it's, I always have this thing, like talk about quieting that voice in your head. Whenever I finish writing a book, I'm like, oh, that sucked. And then I read it and I'm like, damn, did I write that? Like, <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. This is um, a fact. Um, I think this is, <laughs> this is something that everyone who creates anything, whether it's like children, sometimes you're like, I did such a good job. Raising yeah, them. for real. But when our, when our first book came out, there's this quote from uh, Mama Lolo, Mama Lola, the the Haitian voodoo priestess, mm-hmm. um, and someone wrote the biography about her. She didn't write it herself, and she would always say, "I hate the book because I change and it doesn't." Whoa, that's yeah. crazy! Yeah, I'm gonna be thinking on that one. <laughs> yeah. But it, I mean, this it, it, I love that you have gone back to it and been like, "Oh yeah, yeah, that's amazing." <laughs> I'm amazing. No. That's what I, yeah, that's, I, that's my ethos is like, I, I'm a just go for it kind of person when it comes to magic. Yes. And I love this um, metaphor of cooking. And of course, like shout out to Melissa Madera, the mm, kitchen yes. witch who hooked us up and put us in contact. Thanks, Melissa. Absolutely. Thank um, you. <laughs> this cooking metaphor. And I think that this sort of goes a long way to this distinction between occultism and witchcraft is this like to me anyway, reading your words. Um, I, I love this notion of like following a recipe, sort of like being occultism and like, just like, you know, putting a pinch of salt and and mm-hmm. then tasting it and saying, oh, maybe that was too much salt. Now I have to put a little sh-, and tasting and tasting and tasting. That's sort of more like witchcraft to me. Yeah, I agree. And I, and I think too, it's like, I think that people get this very, um, they get very scared when they start doing magic, uh, where it's like, they either don't want to be, they don't want to do it wrong, right? Because they think that people have this idea that if they do it wrong, they're going to like summon a demon that's going to ruin their life, or they're going to be like hugely offensive and like piss everybody off. And it's like, you're almost certainly not going to do those things like either you do do something that maybe you shouldn't be doing and you don't post about it and you correct yourself in the future and you don't do it again or like you do it better or whatever or you like don't summon that demon because that's hard to do like and it's gonna you're not you're actually probably not gonna summon one on the first try you know so it's like (laughs) i uh, like the the idea that people have in their minds i think is this like um very kind of hollywood like horror movie and i I, listen i love horror movies but i think that people think that it's like evil dead and they're just gonna accidentally read the incantation and then like the trees are gonna come to life and stuff like that it's like no like that's hard to do like you're you're probably fine so i i think that like to me it's uh And also I think that in a lot of older magical books, there is like these kind of anti-magical like prescriptions where it's like, you can only read a tarot. You can only read tarot if someone's giving you the deck or like you can only get started once you've like studied X, Y, and Z book. And it's like, you know, like these are, we kind of made these rules up. Like they're not there. I've never known people to like follow all of those to the letter. Right. So I, I think that like the best way to d- dismiss that stuff is like, we're already doing something taboo. Like we're doing magic. It's pretty taboo. Just break that other taboo while you're at it. Right. <laughs> if you're already breaking taboos, just go ahead. Like we're already not really supposed, <laughs> quote, supposed to be doing this stuff. Either it's like sacrilege or it's like anti-science or something. So it's like, you're already, you're already here. So what's a little bit, <laughs> so just go for it. Right. <laughs> yeah. And this book is very much like, against that notion that that magic is anti-science mm-hmm. and you even like um, I, I more mean like in cultural perception I guess but yeah no 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 that that's that's what I mean like oh it, yeah there is this cultural perception that and still today you know despite mm-hmm. projects like yours and projects like ours that are like which is are the original scientists you mm-hmm. know like herbalism is science right <laughs> we, yeah, I don't yeah. I don't get where you're not <laughs> you know but like you have a whole section on assessing sources I was so happy to see that thank that, you again as much as we like draw on our imagination like we still need to recognize whether we're be we're being fed propagandist bullshit or not yeah yeah I mean so the book because it's called like how to study magic not how to practice magic it's like yeah for me it's like this is my way of like leading people through a bookstore basically and being like here's how you like 
read this, don't read that, uh, read the footnotes of this one, like, you know, like that, that kind of guide. Um, because I think that like, it, it was while I was writing the book, I was really trying to get back into like beginner's mindset and think like, what did I need when I was starting off like practicing magic? And I, I went down a couple rabbit holes that I wish I hadn't because it ended up waste like wasting time. It felt like, and now, you know, you can look back and say like, oh, but that wasted time actually made me better at assessing this kind of stuff and whatever. But I think that it's media literacy isn't really taught in schools. Like it's kind of taught, but it's not like not to the degree it really should. And so people in general just don't often have a real basis for how to assess a source, like magical or otherwise. So I wanted to include that because it felt like in a world of TikToks and videos and like, it's very easy for someone nowadays to act like an expert and get out in front and say like, this is what witchcraft is. And like, this is what this means. And these are what these words mean. And it's like, who are you? Like, it's like, I think that a lot of people, like, it's very easy to posture this way online. Right. Um, but actually being, it, it it is possible to check on what thing, what people say and assess this kind of stuff. And in books, even like, because it's magic, I think that people sometimes think that like, uh, there, it is just pure vibes and that what people are saying is just completely unverifiable, but it's not. And like, we can trace the origin of these ideas, which is what I tried to do here. So I, I put that in there because I think that it's just, it, it doesn't often like, if your practice isn't like 100% based in history, like this is what people were doing 2000 years ago, like whatever bullshit, like it doesn't have to be that, but it helps for you to know that it's not that, right? Like it helps, it helps to have a actual way of assessing sources and saying like, this we can verify to the best of our knowledge comes from this. This does not come from that and being able to like delineate these things, right? So I was very, I was very adamant about putting that in the book. I'm very happy it like got in there. So thank you. Yeah. And I also love like, you know, it is very, these days it's like um, Crowley's canceled, Gerald Gardner's canceled, you know, mm -hmm. all, all the white men of magic are canceled. Um, but yeah. you, you have like a, a compassionate take on Wicca. Wicca is canceled, um, <laughs> you know, but you have like a very compassionate take. And it's almost like you're like, again, like you say, it, what we think of as wasted time in one moment, we can look back on and realize how, how we actually did gain from it. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Like, I, 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 like, I don't identify as a Wiccan anymore. Like, back, I feel like back in like the late '90s, early 2000s, like that was the only game in town. Like, it was basically like Wicca dominated, and like maybe Thelema if you were or, like masonry or something like that mm -hmm, was like mm -hmm. if you were in a major metropolitan area, which I wasn't. So like, if you know, there, that was what you got, and so. I like thought that that was it. Like I thought that was the only way to be pagan or a witch or anything like that. And I like, I can look back and say like, oh, that was, I don't agree with that anymore. Or like, that's not my path anymore or whatever. But I think also like having been through that, I went almost through that period of magical history. Like I can now look back and say, like I can comment on that movement in that time because I was in it for to whatever degree I was, right? Like I can, I can look back and say, my thoughts on it from like from an inside perspective, as opposed to just like reading about it in a history book, you know? So I think that that does give me a little bit of perspective. Like I, the, the book is almost a, a history of my time in magic through a very like three degrees of separation kind of like lens of me, like looking back and saying like, okay, like back in the day, it was GeoCity sites and like books you got from the library. Now it's like, a it's so much more information, but it's like, confusing on the other end because it's almost too much information and like how do we delineate when there's an overabundance of information coming at us you know right right yeah and I think I mean part of the issue that we're seeing today is like that Wicca was super appropriative Mm -hmm. um, but I think also like largely well-intentioned it can we always bring up the Maya Angelou quote like when you know better you do better and I think, yeah. you know, you, you kind of sometimes you have to get through doing it wrong in order to get it right. Yeah, I mean, I think I I, I really held, I guess, like what I was trying to do with the book is like I, um, 
I didn't want to like trash talk any traditions. Like, I think the only time I ever like trash talk in the book is when I'm talking about like actual white supremacists and like neo-Nazis and stuff like that. Like, I think that that is when I kind of like throw some words around, but I, when I'm talking about like Thelema or Wicca or things that have like controversy, let's say, I think that to me, I, I could say a lot of like mean things, quite frankly, about Wicca, but just saying like Wicca is stupid is like not really helpful. Like it's, and it's also not really being a good teacher to me. Like I, I don't think my job as a teacher is to look at a book on Wicca and say like, this is all dumb. My, my job is to say like, here's where these ideas come from. This is what this is. If you, if this like absolutely resonates in your soul, if that is like, if I'm telling you about Wicca and you're like, oh my God, that's it. Like, that's the thing for me. Like, I don't want to take that away from you. I, I don't, it is like super not a thing that resonates for me. And like, it hasn't for a long time, but like, if that is like, I can't take that from you, but what I can do is tell you it's history and say like, here's how to be better or worse about it. Right. Like it's like. I do think that saying like all gods and goddesses are like the same is like, and then saying like, oh, and therefore I can just like pick and choose. Like I can just worship like Kali over here and like, uh, you know, Oshun over here and it's fine. And it's like, I don't know, but you know, it's like, I, so it's like, it's, I think that knowing the history is what allows people like, it empowers people to make these choices and to um, I, like, again, I think it's like, it, this isn't, I don't want to say like, like, I think that there's a discourse right now about like cancellation where it's like, you're either pro-cancel culture or you're anti-cancel culture. It exists or it doesn't exist. And I, I, I want to kind of avoid that and just be like, it, like to what degree you accept or don't accept these things in, in your life. I think it should be based on like your values and then what you make of the history and practices of these things based on your values. And so I want to bring it back to like a place of values and and like give that to people right and say like this is the facts are you cool with that you know yeah and your the book certainly isn't trying to give anyone a value system it, it's wonderful for that that it really is like again as the title says how to study magic it's You're not right, yeah. like how to be a witch it's how to study and and i think that this is so much the book that we as a collective <laughs> need right, right now. Right. Because it's like, I think going back to Wicca, it's like, I um, like, yeah, I, like, I guess I, I had a big thing where I was like that with that trap chapter on witchcraft was particularly hard because it's like, I, I think that my stance on that kind of thing for a while was like, well, Wicca isn't witchcraft. Like this is so far removed from like historical witchcraft that like, it's almost not at this point. Right. It is, it's paganism. It's like this neo-pagan thing but it's not witchcraft but it's like I had to kind of confront some of my own thoughts on that for a while for a bit and be like okay I think that this is a little bit I was about to make a joke about crushed velvet robes and I'm like literally wearing velvet like can you imagine like can you imagine if I had made fun of Wicca while I'm dressed like this right it's like that's what I try to I try to come from like a little bit of a humility of a place of humility and be like okay I, like I am talking about witchcraft. There's a whole, there's millions of people who are, who would overhear this discussion and be like, you guys are talking about fake stuff. Like you're talking about like stuff that's not real. How come you're getting so emotional about it? And it's like, that is also not true, but I try to almost let that humble me and be like, okay, for like almost a hundred years now, Wicca has been a thing. Like we can sit here and not like that or like that, but like, it doesn't change that it has existed and people have been calling that witchcraft for almost a hundred years at this point. So like, what do we do when that's like the case? Right. And I, I think that that is also, it was, it was kind of like an exercise almost in humility to like stop myself a, a couple of times and be like, no, 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 this is not how you practice witchcraft or what you think is better or worse. It is like just trying to give people guidance as they study this stuff. Yeah. Yeah, because what, when we start telling people what is witchcraft and what isn't witchcraft, then how are we any different than, you know, anyone else who has has told people that their culture is or isn't witchcraft and that they should right. be taken seriously or not be taken seriously? I don't want to join that co that chorus of telling people what to think for sure. Absolutely, yeah, <laughs> and uh, especially because, like, you know, it, how to study is like a, it's an academic idea it's, it's cerebral but you you can't and you don't 
um, shy away from emotion. One of the that went right right into my lungs and into my throat. You you wrote this is from How to Study Magic. What I discovered with this process is what I think I longed for more than anything in the early days of my studies was a friend. I wish I had someone to ask questions of who could be there to see what if what I was doing was right. And then in Revolutionary Witchcraft, <laughs> you wrote, I know, me in my notes, witchcraft resists nihilism and alienation. And that, like, those two pieces together are just, like, listeners, I know you can't see me, but I'm doing that, like, head-exploding hand gesture. <laughs> like, this is, this ultimately, whether you're Wiccan or you're an Orisha devotee or anything in between, um, I think this resistance of nihilism, resistance of alienation, and looking for a friend, someone, someone, something, that you can ask questions that you might not ask of another person. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that to me, a, bi a big like thing I think in general is like, and I, and I, I mean, this is kind of a, a side, but I, I think it is, it's kind of related is I, I do wonder like if there's going to be a push within the next like decade or so of like moving offline in terms of building community because it's like I don't I don't I think that there actually is like a cap on how much community can actually be built online I'm not saying that no community can be built online but like I do think at a certain point it has to go into the real world it, it does max out at a certain point and so I think that like the best, like my, I've experienced the most growth in my own pursuit of magic by having like actual friends and like people in my like physical community around me that I can like bounce ideas off of and practice magic with and do magic with and that has led to such a bigger growth in my own spiritual practice and like I think to whatever degree people are able to either move somewhere where they're able to do that or foster it within their own community I think that the, like it's always helpful to have that and if not like finding it online with people where you can chat and talk about this kind of stuff is like so helpful because if you're just sitting down and it's like in your own head you second guess yourself or you doubt yourself or you think like I'm not doing this right or you get like some stuff you want to do with other people like it's fun to do magic with other people right and so I I think that like in both cases I I hope that the books serve to like foster that type of community and like almost can be like workbooks that people can use together and and do that kind of stuff with because I mean in, I use I have spells and magic and rituals in like both books but in this one in particular I tried to give people like at the end of every chapter a, a piece of that tradition or that path of magic that people can do and it actually kind of looks like a full practice by the end of it like if you do each one of those rituals and stuff like that you kind of have the basis of a practice that then you can lean into one direction or another depending on how it like feels to you you know um so yeah I think that I hope that they I hope that the books start to foster community in the future because the only way that they ever got written in the first place was like by community Speaking of community, there's something in your bio about the New York occult scene. Oh, yeah. So, like, for our listeners who have never been to New York and just have, like, an absolutely fantastical notion of what that means, can you, like, <laughs> can you bring, demystify a New York occult scene for us? Yeah. So I think starting around, like, 2014, um, there really wasn't a, a huge uptick in, like, occult like occultism as being kind of cool, like, which was very crazy to me because it had never been cool before. Like I, like, again, I grew up in the era of crushed velvet robes and GeoCity sites. Like this was so far from being cool so that it was like the first time you had kind of clubs in Brooklyn, like, um, I like, like you see kind of echoes with this of like, I think like Catland was sort of one of the first big ones. There was also a thing called the Tarot Society. There was a place called the Body Actualized Center, which if there's anybody out there listening to this that remembers the Body Actualized Center, like OMG, <laughs> like what, that was like such an era. It was like pure 2014 Brooklyn, but there was, um, 
like there's a there's now like a bar that's pretty famous called like mood ring in brooklyn and like all of the artwork on the inside is like uh tarot cards and that kind of stuff but this is like a very popular like bar like and it i it's one of those things like i i you see kind of that that moment in time echoing out so now that there's i i the, i think like if you look at people who kind of came out of it it's like pam grossman i was like myself Kristen soleil melissa who you had on the show um like Sophie St. Thomas, um, there's like uh, Sarah Potter, like so many big people have kind of like come out of that moment in New York. And some of it, I think, was just like when you get enough people doing magic at the same time in a geographic area, like it just causes more and more witches to like become a thing. I think also because there's like such a media hub in New York, it got picked up on in a way that other smaller scenes maybe don't get picked up on. So there might be like, I've never been to Toronto. I would love to go, but maybe there is like a witchcraft scene in Toronto that I have no idea about because like, you know, vice headquarters isn't located there. Right. Like there's, there's that kind of side to it as well. So since you bring up vice vice started in Montreal. Um, yes, it did. <laughs> and so, uh, you know, I know some people who were there at the beginning way back in the day before well, vice yeah. you know before vice was even really vice as it is we won't talk about gavin we'll leave yeah, that I was alone about for to now. say like... that said um like how does one become the like witch in residence for vice uh well you call yourself it until the label sticks <laughs> You do chaos magic is what you do. <laughs> um, I was brought on in 2017 to, uh, the, at the time, it's kind of like a, it's again, another like weird media story of media stuff. Like I think, uh, so like, uh, so at the time we now know Facebook was lying about <laughs> um, their numbers and their traffic and how much like Facebook live traffic was getting and like how much pages were going to be important so like at the time in digital media people thought that like Facebook was basically going to be the only social media site and that like everything was going to be there it was going to be like tv movies chat rooms like everything was just going to be Facebook and so at so what they were that also at the same time the astrology page at advice was like low-key the most popular page on the entire website so I was brought on at the time because of some writing I had done for them before. And they basically wanted me to test run what a witchy Facebook page would look like. And when that didn't go through because it came out that Facebook was lying about their numbers, they still kept me on to like produce witch content for them and stuff like that. And so I was sort of the go-to person when there was like an article that needed to get written, or I had this like little thing that they were doing with uh, Facebook lives where I would read celebrities tarot cards in the kind of the form of like an interview where I'd interview them and we like talk about their new projects and stuff like that. And then I'd like give them a reading. And that was like, that was my main thing for like a year and a half. And it's like a very, it's like a very weird time in my life, but I, I, I've never actually, I don't know if I've ever actually really told the story of that. So this is a real exclusive. <laughs> so you can hear the, you know, I'm still in New York because you can hear the sirens outside of my apartment. <laughs> it's the city, baby. <laughs> Thanks for that. Exclusive. Oh, yeah. Carry on. Yeah. That's why the exclusive story it's yeah. I, um, Chaos is a ladder, as they say, and Vice is a very chaotic uh, media organization. Let's just say that. So I think I was able to kind of use that to my advantage in my time that I was there. And I recommend everyone involved in digital media do the same. Yeah. I yeah. mean, you know, we talk about, um, you know, the the physical community. And, and last time I was in Brooklyn, I actually had a meal with, you know, one of my online coven mates and a coffee with another one of my online coven mates. And it really, as, as madly in love as I am with my online coven, there was something about sitting down and taking a meal with a person sitting yeah. across from them face to face and take, we didn't do ceremonial magic or anything. Like, <laughs> Just doing our, the LBRP before the yeah, check gets there. Yeah. But, <laughs> but, but in our broad witchcraft yeah. way, I mean, taking a meal together is, is ceremonial magic. Absolutely. Right? 
Yeah, there's so many cool New York witches that I wanted to hang out with that were in town. Kristen is definitely Kristen Soleil is one of them. She's oh, so yeah. effing badass. She's so cool. She's so sweet. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Super cool and super sweet. Um, I want to dive into um revolutionary witchcraft a little bit more because of this notion, I want to read something that Margot Adler, and again, she's been problematized, it's fine. Something that Margot Adler wrote that we can't argue with, which is the following. <laughs> um, feminist witches have stated that witchcraft is not incompatible with politics, and further, that the craft is a religion historically conceived in rebellion and can therefore be true to its nature only emphasis mine, <laughs> only when it continues its ancient fight against oppression. That seems to me like the thrust of this book. It was so exciting for me to read you articulating these things that so many of us are thinking, you know. Mm -hmm. um, can you tell me about the process of writing your first book? Yeah, so I had had an outline for a book like it for a while, and I had kind of been like going over the idea for a bit. And um, I had done some sort of work, I think, through Catland at the time where it was, um, it wasn't the, obviously, because I wrote this before 2020, but it was, it wasn't like the big protest of 2020, but there was a, I believe it was either like right at, I think it was right after the election of Donald Trump here in the US. And there was like a bunch of protests that were going on. The and pussy I hat, I had, the pussy hat yeah, phase. That kind of, yeah, that kind of phase. It is. So I think that there was a lot of that kind of, like, kind of thing going on. And um, I had written some like tips about that and like some thoughts about that for Catland, like through their, their website and their Instagram. And running press saw it and was like, we actually want to write a book like this. Like, would you want to write that book? And I was like, absolutely. And so um, we worked on it for a bit with my editor, Shannon Fabricant, who I love and who also worked on this book with. And um, yeah, so it, kind of, it, was, it, it was kind of right place, right time, which I guess is the other bit of advice I'd give to anybody with Crave. Like, have your outline for your ideas so that when the person that is like, I want to make your thing comes along, you can be like, excellent. Like, and just like have it there. Um, I love it. Cause yeah. And then do magic to make that person come to you. <laughs> but also, but so, yeah, I, I, um, I wrote that in 2019 and then the world kind of ended. So I'm sorry for that. <laughs> um, it was a very like it felt really weird because we did this at, at my book launch. Uh, we did this like ritual to like end the old world and like birth in a new world. And oh, like, way to go! You were actually apologizing. Uh, <laughs> like, uh. <laughs> so now I'm gonna do a launch for this book, and I'm like, what's the least scary thing that I can do? <laughs> like, what's what's the least likely to cause a plague <laughs> that I can do? And um, here you were like, it's not as easy to conjure a demon. As I you know. <laughs> well, I have some experience, so it's not, it wasn't my first time out the gate, but I, yeah. <laughs> anyway. Yeah. Sorry for that. But it was, I, so <laughs> I, um, yeah, I don't know. I think I wrote, I wrote, I wrote the book like kind of for a moment in time. Like it was, it is sort of of the Trump era, I guess, but I think that there, it is still that there are, I, I, I tried to write it with a view of it being somewhat evergreen and and hopefully helpful to people, not just within the U.S. but outside the U.S. and also like not just at that time period as well. And I did I th for me the way to do that was like there are other books about magic and political activism where they cite actual moments in history of like people using like literal magicians using literal magic to cause literal political change like you know um the haitian revolution or um you know operation sea lion and this kind of stuff and i think that those are all amazing and cool but i kind of wanted to show people that these things are not at all separate and so that's why i chose to use things that are in history books and people don't talk about them as magical events but like we using the paradigm of magic can understand them that way and like using that framework can kind of like oh i'm gonna use an overword overused word but like kind of see that praxis at work there and so uh and and kind of adopt it for ourselves no okay no but yeah so that's why i use things like um you know like act up and the zapatistas and that kind of thing so i uh yeah so that's that's what i kind of used there Yes. Um, there's, there's a quote um, in the book. 
And again, this is revolutionary witchcraft. We're talking about two books here. So just go and buy them both. If you don't know which book we're talking <laughs> about, get them both. Um, <laughs> you wrote, it's like making a pact between yourself and the spirit of the earth that you're going to continue fighting for it and looking at the bad parts of it, even when that's deeply uncomfortable. I like this idea of making a pact that that's what witchcraft is or what activism is. We say that all the time, like what witch, witches and activists have in common is that we think we can change the world. Mm -hmm. And I love yeah. this, this idea of making a pact. And that's something that anyone can go in your yard, on your balcony, you know, as, as you hear the sirens going by, you know, whether, whether you're in, in the Midwest or in New York city, that's something that you can do is like go somewhere to something or someone and make a pact of protection. I fucking love that. Speaking of resonance, like. Thank you. Yeah. It made me want to like go around and, you know, I, I have, yeah. I hug the trees in my. I love area. hugging like, trees. <laughs> it is legitimately extremely soothing, like to hug a tree. Oh, absolutely. And, yeah. and we had one guest who reminded us that they know that you are hugging them. It's not yes. just for you. It's they for them They do know too. you're hugging them. But now I want to like go and, and like vocalize, you know, I want to be like, I swear to protect you. It, to look up at the sky and say it, to look down at the ground, to look in the fucking mirror. Mm. and say yeah. it, you know speaking of alienation like that's real or the, yeah. the absence of alienation I guess it's better <laughs> thank you that really I it's it's so it's a very weird experience being an author because it's not like other forms of like being an artist or a you know creative person at all where like if you're doing um, if you're like an actor and you're in a play or you're like a painter and you have like a gallery or something like that, like people can, you can like see people's reaction to your work. Or even if you make like a movie or a podcast or something like that, like you sometimes see people wearing a shirt related to it, or you see like people's act, like people quoting it, or you see it around you sometimes. But like, I feel like when you write a book, you just have to kind of like trust that people are reading it and are liking it somewhere because reading is such a private thing, right? It's like you in the book. And so it's, you don't really get to see people's reaction. And so it's like, I write this book and I'm like, I sure hope that helped people. So it's really wonderful to hear that it did. Thank you. Yeah. It, it's fantastic. It's uh, both of your books, I think are, are necessary. I'm going to use Thank that you. word N essential. Um, what we need right now. It's Thank you. And again, like right place, right time, you know, you, you wrote this book and then you <laughs> launched us into oblivion, but then also gave us the book that's going to be a life preserver for us in, in that. Thank you. I really, I really hope so. I think the craziest review I ever got for revolutionary witchcraft was like, uh, when the massive protests were going on in Chile, the last couple of years that like, by the way, worked like mm -hmm. I mean, they, they, or they, they're, they're mostly working. I mean, they still have to, they're going to have another constitutional referendum, all that kind of stuff, but they were able to like get a different president in there, which is not like, and like are going to potentially restructure the government, which is like not nothing. Um, but uh, when all of those like riots and everything was happening, I had someone message me being like, I'm reading your book in the riot right now. And it's really helpful. And I'm like, Oh my God, <laughs> like what? <laughs> it was like so crazy to me, but I was, I, that was like, I think the most touching review was like, wow, like this is actually like out there in the world. Um, so thank you all so much. Yeah, out there in the world and helping people. Um, you, you, you use the term enraged and engaged. I love mm. that because I think that we we sometimes get stuck on enraged and yeah. we don't move into engaged. Yeah, I think with both books, something I try to do is break through something that I get often myself as well, but like I think both in like magic and it also like left like organizing spaces, there can be this thing called like analysis paralysis where you read and read and analyze and analyze. And then at the end of the day, you're like, well, it's all hopeless. Like, look, it's like, it's over. It's just like, how can we do anything? Because like, well, I can't, I can't do this because that helps capitalism. And I can't do this because that 
would help like sexism and I can't do this because that's not really effective. And it's like, you think about all these things that it's like, okay, but at the end of the day, you do actually have to like do something. And it's like, we, we are going, like, we're going to exist in capitalism until we don't like, you're going to be engaged in it until you're not. And so it's like, it, like, cause that's just how economies work. Like that's like <laughs> an economy is an all consuming, like, thing over over top of society or like undergirding society how you want to look at it and like it's gonna be what undergirds it until it's not anymore and so you have like at a certain point you have to be like yes but like at the end of the day I have to live or I have to live as if I was already dead and it's already the die's already been cast so I have to like do this anyway right um so I think like in both books, whether that's like organizing stuff or that's magic stuff, I wanted to try to break through the analysis paralysis and say like, okay, here are some ideas for how to start. And once you start, more stuff is going to, it like, it's going to naturally complicate itself and it's going to keep building and growing. So, but getting that first step in, as I think the hardest part for a lot of people. Absolutely. Now, okay, let's imagine that this podcast is a spell. Okay. If you could put a spell on everyone listening right now, what, what would the message of that spell be? What are you hoping for? Hmm. I think that one of my, I mean, I, I said this in Revolutionary Witchcraft, but I, I'm building it in How to Study Magic, is I think that one of the things that really drew me to magic and then actually drove me to like organizing stuff is that I think like the world is really capable of such beauty. Like to me, ma to me, magic. And like, when I think about magic, like we just had Halloween here in the U S and it was, you know, you walk down the street and people are dressed like witches and goblins and skeletons and like these creepy little things. And there's like, you know, jack-o'-lanterns and there's like little spirit lamps everywhere. And there's a cool breeze and there's the moon in the sky. And you're like, that is magic, you know, like it's such a, um, like living a, in a world where there is enchantment and there is beauty and there is like mystery. That is all part of magic to me. And like being an active participant in that is like what I think doing magic is supposed to be. Like I included grimoires in this book because spell books are like beyond being actual magic, like what we're talking about. It's like, there's a magical feeling. Like it's really magical feeling to hold like an 800 year old spell book in your hand and be like, oh my God, like what? You know, it's like crazy. And, and I think that these things like capitalism and sexism and racism and, um, you know, the, like the constant like devaluing of life down to a series of like numbers and, um, you know, value judgments and, and devaluing, community and and livelihood and and like who we are down to just like you know this pure class relation of like I'm just I'm just a consumer like I'm just this like atomized consumer out here in the world and that's like all I'll ever be is like truly disenchanting like that is truly like taking the magic out of life in like more ways than one and so I think if I were to cast a spell over this podcast it would be like I really hope that people leave here believing in magic and like believing in the possibility that magic affords us to believe in so mote it be i do <laughs> i do want to um before we spiral in and around and around you said you're working on a film i can't let you go until you tell me about filmmaking magic okay if there's any producers out there like yeah put it no, in the universe it was, I, I had a real Santa return moment uh, earlier this year of like, wait a second, I went to film school. Like I came to New York to make movies and I kind of left this out of my bio, but it was like, I came to New York to make movies and then witchcraft took off and like the occult scene took off. And then it was like, Hey, do you want to get paid to do this thing that you've been doing? And it's like, sure. But this is like always been a private practice of mine. And now it's becoming a very public practice. And it like that negotiating, that was very weird. And so I've, I've been doing that for several years and it doesn't mean I'm going anywhere in the witchcraft space. I'm still going to be doing that kind of stuff. But I was like, you know what? I should like try making that movie before the glaciers all melt. <laughs> I, should, I should try doing that like with this one precious life that, you know, I've been given. And I, so I, uh, I have a short story that I've written and rewritten several times and I never published, but I have a screenplay for that. And I have a director of photography and I've got 
a bunch of crew signed up and I am going to be making a movie next year. It's going to be a horror film and the working title is called The Woods. And I don't want to say, say too much about it, but if anybody out there is like, um, you know, into film and wants to help me make that, hit me up. <laughs> yes. Get in, get on the ground floor. It's, of it's this. <laughs> all a very like woman-led film production, which is very rare. So, and it is, it is unfortunately an uphill battle. So if, if anybody out there wants to support female filmmakers, yeah. hit me up. <laughs> we do, we do have a coven mate who runs like a feminist film festival in Montreal. So Maybe okay, we can, well, I'll know we can, where to call. We'll get that ball rolling somehow, <laughs> Absolutely. for sure. Um, I I want to open the floor to our coven mates. Nobody told me they had a question, but I'm still going to give you a chance. And as I'm doing that, see, you can unmute yourself if you have a question or a compliment. <laughs> Otherwise, um, I do want to say that... Um, Revolutionary Magic is already out. You can go and get that today, and I suggest you do. This podcast will be going live on November 10th, and How to Study Magic comes out on November 15th. But listeners, know this about the publishing world. Sometimes, oftentimes, a lot of times, pre-sales can determine how a publishing house or how many resources a publishing house is going to put into, you know, the marketing of a book or, um, and, you know, so buy it today, <laughs> even though you won't be able to get your hands on it for five days, pre-order the book because we need this in everyone's hands. How to study magic is so important. You know us. And we said from the jump, like, just do it. But we like it both ways, right? We want to study. Yes. We want to study the recipe, and then we want to make our own soup in the cauldron. Thank you. Yes, please pre-order. Uh, pre-order it for your friends. It is like legitimately. If you have a, a weird cousin or a budding like witch niece or something like that, this is I've, I've legitimately a great book to get them when they're starting off. So uh, yeah. think think forward to the holidays and solstices coming up. Obviously, Sarah's a little biased, so I'm going to chime in and say <laughs> I absolutely agree. You know, if there's something that I get a lot of around here, it's it's witch books, um, <laughs> and the you both of yours. I I would I would give them as a gift as a set. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, you really need both. You really need Thank both. Thank you. So our cover mates are just sending love. I'm sending love to you, Sarah. Thank you so much for sitting down with me today and talking about occultism and activism and witchcraft and how every fucking thing is magic and all of it seeks to relieve feelings of alienation and relieve feelings of, of isolation and relieve feelings of nihilism. We're here to have a purpose together, right? Absolutely. That's very well said. <laughs> Thank you again so much, Sarah. I, I can't wait to see what you do next. Thank you so much. This has been so wonderful. And thank you. Yeah, thank you, everybody here for coming and listening to me to me yap on. <laughs> no, but seriously, thank you. This was so much fun. This is like one of my favorite interviews I've done here. So thank you. And blessed fucking be. Blessed be. <laughs> you must be a witch. The Missing Witches podcast is created by Risa Dickens and Amy Torak with insight and support from the coven at patreon.com slash missingwitches. Amy and Risa are the co-authors of Missing Witches, Reclaiming True Histories of Feminist Magic, which is available now wherever you get your books or audiobooks, and of New Moon Magic, 13 Anti-Capitalist Tools for Resistance and Reenchantment, coming fall 2023.